And so Brandon Arcee with Dirt Tech came in. Brandon is awesome. He's like true professional. Anybody that knows him knows he's just like gets down to work. He's in, he does his job. He's incredible artist. Like, so he did the green trail and he probably still has nightmares about the green trail for, I think it was half a mile. It was solid bedrock. So we had the howler mating call, which is just excavators with hammers, just jackhammering away at this rock. And then... Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. For episode 151, we have Max Penny. Max and his family are the masterminds behind Howler Bike Park, located in Branson, Missouri. Bike parks are one of my favorite topics to cover on the Trail Effect podcast, especially bike parks that are located in unsuspecting locations, like Howler as they provide opportunities and access for gravity mountain biking for more people. Howler is just over a year into operations, and they are doing exceptional. You can also check out some rare follow cam footage of myself riding Swayze Train while at Howler Bike Park a couple weeks ago. This was filmed by Jeremy of Adventure Awaits on YouTube. The link for this can be found in the show notes. Jeremy and I met while riding the shuttle at Howler Bike Park, which is a common theme as Max will describe in the show. Tune in to learn more about how Howler Bike Park came to be. Cooley Creative is a title sponsor for this episode. They design and build custom websites as well as help companies with branding, photography, and e-commerce. Cooley Creative was started in Wisconsin, but is now based out of Bend, Oregon. Jared from Cooley Creative is a friend of mine. We've traveled together on multiple mountain bike trips, and sometimes he sends it. For more information about Cooley Creative, head on over to www.dojustsendit.com. Yes, that's right. www.dojustsendit will get you to the Cooley Creative website, so check it out. I personally wear something from Kettle Mountain Apparel nearly every day, and have been extremely impressed with all of their products. For the month of November, Kettle Mountain is running a 20% off sale on everything. Click the affiliate link in the show notes to help support the Trail Effect podcast and get 20% off at the same time. Trail One Components, the brand that was built to literally support trails and provide high-quality mountain bike components. The products at Trail One Components are designed by a longtime, highly overqualified engineer so you know that what you're buying is worth it. You can grab yourself 20% off on all Trail One components by using the code TRAILPOD. This code can also be found in the show notes. Now on to Trail Effect with Max Penny and Howler Bike Park. Here we are today on Trail Effect. I have Max Penny, who's the mastermind behind... The Howler Bike Park, which is located just north of Branson, Missouri, the infamous Branson, Missouri, which I think has a TV show named after it or like that follows it as well. But that's something totally different. How's it going today, Max? It's going fantastic. I'm excited to talk about uh, my passion. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the Howler Bike Park. And I think, you know, it's the last couple of years have been a really important time for bike parks in general. We're kind of going off, off topic already, but or off the sequence already. But I think it's it's because one, there's e-bikes, but two, more importantly, is we have bike parks popping up in areas that don't 
have lift infrastructure in place because they're using things like shuttles. And that's what the Holler Bike Park is. It's a shuttle park and and it's pretty awesome. And so we're going to talk about all that today. How's it going today? It's going fantastic. It's uh, it's already feeling like winter here in Missouri. It's 25 degrees outside. I was completely bundled up taking my dogs for a walk this morning. But, you know, I got to say, I'm a pretty big fan of the winter. I like that cold. I grew up snowboarding. So it's uh, it always kind of rings in the snowboarding bell. Yeah, we got three inches of snow where I'm at yesterday. So, well, we, yeah, I'll take some snow. Right now, it's just cold for no reason, is what I say. There's no snow. It's just leaves falling, and it's it's pretty, but it's not snow. Well, let's get the let's set the stage to how you got to Holler Bike Park and kind of get your backstory, and then followed up with the idea of a bike shop because that'll lead us to the bike park. For sure, yeah. That's uh, I'll keep it brief because I know we want to talk more about the bike park, especially me. It's more interesting, but. Uh, yeah, I grew up uh, in Springfield, Missouri. My whole family's here. I have a huge family. I, we, I'm actually engaged, uh, just got engaged to my longtime girlfriend. We were going over our guest list. My family dominates the guest list. I think it's like it takes up like 120 or 25 spots of the guest list. So huge family, all in, all in town. It grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. My grandpa was a great entrepreneur. My grandma is a great entrepreneur. My dad is been such a mentor and my best friend, he's a, been like just a genius when it comes to business and stuff. So I've grown up, you know, very blessed and fortunate to be able to have this opportunity. And so when I was a kid, I was really into action sports, you know, dirt bike, uh, BMX actually. Um, and then uh, snowboarding, I've been snowboarding since I was three. We, uh, a lot of my family lived in Colorado. So we were going there and getting a lot of laps in, um, throughout the winter. So I grew up having this, um, you know, love for the outdoors, but really I loved the idea of a mountain town and being able to um, just kind of have that little like pocket of paradise I felt like in the mountains. So I always um, glamorized that. I thought it was just so cool, but, you know, we'd always come home and I've always just loved Missouri. I love Springfield. It's, it's my home. Um, so, you know, I, I liked both sides, but I always really had this affinity towards, you know, the log cabins and these little villages. And I'll get into that later. Uh, yeah. So I uh, grew up in action sports. There was mountain biking, I think in 2012, maybe like the first like elevation of mountain biking kind of came in. We had Sac River since the nineties, but it's all flat. And I was never really interested in that. And then Two Rivers was built, and I think in 2012, that could be wrong. And it had jumps and some flow, uh, very primitive to now what we, what, you know, trails are, but it was really, really cool. And so I went out there, had no idea what uh, mountain biking is. I was on my BMX bike that was brakeless. I was 12 years old. And uh, completely wadded myself up in the first like couple of seconds. Uh, I had like my motocross full face on. Um, it was hilarious. If I could see myself now, I'd just be like, what the heck? Just the complete Jerry is just like, I was 12 year old Jerry. Uh, but it was, you know, it was really cool. And it kind of got, uh, you know, my ideas rolling of like, whoa, what is this mountain biking thing? So I started, uh, you know, I think YouTube was pretty around back then. So I was, you know, got into Red Bull Rampage and was like, whoa, that's mountain biking. That is, 
legit. And then, you know, started just watching YouTube video after YouTube video, big mountain, you know, downhill riding. And that was where I was like, that's mountain biking. So I was always, you know, as a kid, a little frustrated because it's like kind of like snowboarding. It's like I have to fly or drive to go somewhere to do it. So I just thought there wasn't a possibility for mountain biking in Missouri. I didn't, you know, at that time, I, you can't really think ahead that far. So I was just like, oh, shoot. So fast forward a little bit. I got into football. I ended up playing in college at Missouri State for a little while. And then after college, I got back into mountain biking and was a little more serious this time. I bought a mountain bike and uh, actually did it with brakes and was just like completely stoked. I was like hooked hard and my dad and I were doing it together. It was just a blast, you know, figuring everything out was insane, you know, and kind of remembering everything I had learned. It'd been a couple of years since I had been in biking. So it was so awesome. You're progressing so fast. And then we were making friends. I'm pretty talkative dude. We were making friends on the trails and, uh, so it was just like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. This is something that is just like an extreme passion, especially getting out of one sport that's very competitive like football and then having another sport that you can kind of have the same competitiveness, but it's within yourself. Um, I was really excited and trying to learn how to jump and everything again was brutal. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so we we got into mountain biking and then a couple, I think it was like a year later or so, uh, COVID happened. We don't know about that. And towards like the summer of uh, COVID, we were going to two rivers and going to other places to ride in Bentonville. We were hitting Bentonville like every weekend, which is just fantastic. You know, we uh, were riding and some dude's like, man, you got to check out Bentonville. And I'm like, what is, never heard of that. You know, what is Bentonville? So we went down there and it was like my mind exploded and I was like, no way, you know, this, it was so cool. We were going down there and staying in hotels and, you know, uh, basically doing exactly what Bentonville is wanting us to do is go down there and spend our money and enjoy their trails, which they put a lot of time and effort into. It was fantastic. So, uh, then we kind of were back in Springfield, sorry. And, um, stuff was starting to open up businesses and everything. So I had gotten buddies into mountain biking now too. So we were like going to shops and stuff and there's wonderful shops here in Springfield bike shops. Um, but I'm not interested in road biking at all or any gravel biking, especially back then. So I wanted, you know, mountain bike stuff and I wanted to be able to look at it, you know, online is one thing, but you know, I'm, I want to see it. I'm a, I'm one of those guys. It's like, I need to try it on and I want to see kind of the colors and everything. So um, that was kind of frustrating me. And there wasn't the brands that I was looking for necessarily, you know, like I had always been like thought transition was such a cool bike, you know, when the bottle rocket and they had all these interesting bikes and their branding's really cool. So there wasn't a dealer in town. And so I was like, well, this kind of blows, you know, I want to, I want to get some cool mountain biking stuff and I don't want to order it online. And, uh, my dad is, you know, uh, entrepreneur. He's like, start a shop. I'll, I'll get you started and help you out a little bit. So, um, my dad was essentially the bank and became, you know, just like gave me a little loan and got a, a small, small bike shop started and we sold transition and Yeti. 
And it was kind of in the heart of COVID and it did really well, um, which was exciting. You know, it definitely has ups and downs, just like everything. Uh, and I like can think back to myself back then, want to just slap myself for making just stupid mistakes, but I'm glad I made mistakes because uh, you learn from them quick. But it was it was exciting. You know, people were coming in. They liked the idea of we're just a mountain bike shop. And literally months after opening the shop, my dad and I were like, what about a bike park? And uh, that's where the super exciting stuff came came to be. It just from literally that thought to the bike park getting the land was so fast and ended up just snowballing like crazy. It was insane. So you have transition in Yeti. We're gonna we're gonna get to the bike park in a second, but you also have intense. What else do you have? Because you have two locations, right, for your shops outside of the bike park. Yeah. So outside of the bike park to re- like, we have our online presence where um, we sell a lot of our Haller merch. Like I've got our hat on and then our signature tee and everything. We, we do a lot of our, we have fun shirts and different types of branding. We, all the trails have names and everything. So we sell online, we sell all of our bike stuff online as well. Um, we've gone like this with brands. I, you know, the bike industry the past three years has it's gone up and down and middle and up and down and middle. It's been insane. And um, I'm sure everybody that is affiliated with bike shops or, you know, has worked in one, it's it's crazy right now. And it's super unpredictable. It's just a mess. But so we have, we carry Scott, uh, Intense, Forbidden, Marin, and Transition now. Um, and those are our five brands. We try and work closer with a lot of our brands now. Um, we do use the bike park as leverage. Uh, you know, it's like they want to be seen and we want their products to be seen. We believe in their products. So that's a big thing for us is to, you know, they have to come out and do events with us. They have to really show their presence. So we have our original location. We don't have anymore as the bike shop. We have one in downtown Springfield. And then we are just now opening uh, a new uh, store. It's an outdoor store. We're kind of getting out of the solely into bikes and want to do more camping and hiking and uh, climbing and canoeing, all that sort of things. We're kind of incorporating that with bikes into our new store. So it's kind of a hybrid store. We're really excited about the idea for it. Um, and plus, it's a it's a pretty big boost to the online. It just grows our offerings, I guess is the correct word. So the shops are um, super great. We got a lot of good employees that can man them and that allows me and the rest of my family to be able to kind of focus on the big elephant, which is uh, the the bike park <laughs> for sure. So while you're doing this, the state of mountain biking in Missouri is yeah. also like taking off. And I think that's partially due to the fact that the neighboring state is Arkansas. And there's a, obviously we've, you know, you've already talked about Bentonville and there's a, anyone who's who would tune into the show knows that there's a lot of mountain biking happening in Arkansas. And some of those people know that there's quite a bit of mountain biking happening in Missouri due to the fact that I've had Dave Coolio Schultz on. I don't know if you know Dave. I do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I've had him on and he kind of, he talked about a lot of stuff that's happening around the state, you know, especially up North and especially on the West side. Like what's your take on the state of mountain biking in Missouri? Cause it's kind of, I mean, I think it's all important that it it's a healthy ecosystem, right? Statewide. Yeah, for sure. We um, kind of live in our own bubble because we have so many projects and and so much growth and and change happening. 
that we get a little bit contained into Haller, but um, you know, we we try to stay versed in knowing what's going on. Uh, we're probably the the least knowledgeable on what's going on, but I know um, Dave is a friend of mine. He comes down every once in a while with Seth um, that builds all of our wood features. I know that St. Louis is blown up like crazy, and they have uh, Dave runs Gork, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I, they are like an advocate for that growth. And that's exciting to see. Um, we definitely lean more towards interest in gravity. So them, you know, putting all their new trails in and they have a the Missouri Enduro series does a really good job and that's growing like crazy. So and then uh, I know we get a lot of KC and St. Louis people that come down. So, you know, we are always hearing from them that there's a lot of growth. So Missouri, we're trying to become that, you know, hotspot. And it does help to piggyback off of Arkansas, you know. They're, they're putting in a lot of the legwork for us, but, you know, they're obviously getting massive amounts of numbers. So it's exciting to see. We're definitely really close to that Arkansas border. So we see a lot of Arkansas and see that impact that they have. I mean, it's it's insane what they draw. And, you know, we've gotten I, tons of Canadians come down. We get people from England and Ireland and, you know, we had South Africa and China and they're you know, they're hitting Bentonville and we're, you know, an hour and a half away. So they're coming to see us too. So it's, it's crazy to see just the draw that Bentonville has. And, you know, I think Missouri is why, you know, wisely trying to capitalize that and, and grow that too. Cause Missouri seems like pretty untapped to me at this point, you know, we're, I'm trying to think of some other trails around us. I know like there's uh shepherd up north there's so much potential for us to grow and uh branson is interested in growing and becoming an outdoor hub as well and branson is to me so exciting we can get into branson on a different topic or whenever you know it's but that's a that's exciting what they they have their chamber is aggressive with wanting to expand tourism obviously branson is kind of an anomaly in the the country but they are they're all gas no brakes when it comes to figuring out how to tap into this market and they they know it they're not like him haunt around they know they got to get into it so it's it's really exciting it's cool to see all these things kind of come together i know missouri nika is blown up there was just a nika event at two rivers two weekends ago and tons of these Nike kids are rolling in from all over Missouri and checking out how are the couple of days before, you know, they're all camping and everything. It's really exciting to see that grow and that I, there's so many kids involved in Nike in Missouri. So it's, it's a growing, um, we still have a long way to go and we're just, you know, I think we're fortunate to be in the little like central USA and people pass through Missouri all the time. And it's really exciting for outsiders to be able to have a place to stop and mountain bike. We hear that all the time. It's like, oh, now I don't have to skip Missouri. It's like, yeah, we have cool stuff here, you know, come on. <laughs> oh, for sure. And you have the, you you, ha, you also are able to, you know, so people like me that live up and we're going to say the Northern part of the upper, uh, Northern part of the Midwest, you know, like going South to Missouri, or Arkansas just extends that season, especially, you know, early in the spring and late in the fall. You know what I mean? 100%. I think that's really exciting too. That's somewhat of a new concept that we're, uh, I guess, experiencing or uh, other people are experiencing with us. 
is we get asked all the time, you know, well, what's your season? What's your season? Or is the annual pass that's a season pass, right? And it's like, nope, we're open year round. We're very fortunate to be in a right on that border of like, we might get snow. It just gets kind of cold here, I guess, is really the thing. In 2023, we've had to close two weekends and they were back to back weekends in early February. It was for ice. Nobody wants to ride on ice anyways. You know, it's like, so it's really cool. The winter is actually a big time for us because all other bike parks close. People still get that itch to go ride their bike. So we do get a lot of, you know, north, uh, northern states, some northwest states like Colorado. And then we've had all 50 states come to the park already. So it's, you know, anywhere that it gets pretty snowy and you're not touching your bike, we see those people kind of influx in the winter, which is super exciting. And they get to experience Missouri. Let's get into the park and the details of the park. For sure. Why don't you go over some of the stats first? Like, so what do you have for, I'm going to call it, I'm going to say number of trails or tracks. A lot of those people are, are runs, you know, obviously you, you know, your shuttle service, like basically what to expect and what, you know, just what the vertical drop is there, because I think that might surprise some people too. For sure. Yeah. So, right. Uh, I guess I'll paint a picture of the park and then that might help. So we um, are right off highway 65, which is the main highway in uh, Branson. It's huge. Uh, 60,000 cars drive there every day. It's busy. It's a busy highway. And we're literally right off of it. We're not tucked back in the woods too far. You, you pull off the highway and you're right there. Um, and then it's just a five minute walk down into base camp. And then when you get into base camp, you do feel a little more secluded, but we're in kind of a bowl, actually not kind of, we're in a bowl, um, and base camps in the center, there's four peaks. So we have, um, one that's like right on the road and it kind of bowls into, um, kind of around base camp. So four different peaks. Um, the tallest one I think is 500 feet of, of elevation. And then the smallest one's about 400 or so. So not crazy. Um, but you definitely, you know, people are always shocked about how much more elevation it is and how we use a lot of it. Um, but we don't use it where you traverse all the time and you have to pedal. We, we still want you pointed down and getting a lot of laps in. Um, so it's exciting. It's a different style of riding. It's a small mountain. Uh, riding. So we pack in features tight rather than having them, you know, a little more sparse throughout the mountain. Um, but they're big, you know, like we pack features in you're, you're hitting a jump and a jump, and then you're hitting a shark fin and then a jump and a jump and then a drop, you know, so like it, it's real back to back to back. And that's something we are learning and kind of continuing to do is like, keep people, you know, really locked in on that bike because they're not going down forever they're not going to get that arm pump so they are able to manage the bike a little easier so we you know keep them keep them locked in is kind of the is the goal when we're building trails but right now we have uh nine different trails we try and keep the variety but for some reason we have a knack for building harder trails uh you might have to do with the with the geography there yeah and and the geology too Exactly. So we have a, I'll get into that. Yeah. We, we tend to have a knack for going to build the harder trails. It uh, does have to do with either the steepness or there's just some massive rock that we're like, we want to use that, you know? Um, so it's most of the time it has to do with us just like seeing a perfect line and it's like, we have to use that. Um, but yeah, there is some, uh, you know, constraints with terrain and I can get into that more, but so we have nine trails now. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but we 
have plans to make it bigger and bigger, we want to keep it growing. We don't want to cap it and be like, oh, no, it's like, as soon as we can, we're building another trail. So we want to have, I think we have in our concept map about 50, 45 or 50 trails. Um, and we just want to keep adding and keep bringing new experiences, different modes to get up to the top. Right now we use um, military Stuart Stevenson military trucks that pull about 20 up the hill at a time. We want to figure out different modes to get up to the top and just kind of have a mix. And, you know, maybe you're not having to go all the way to the bottom. You can kind of hit mid mountain and do sessions and stuff. So we're always trying to innovate. And now that we have nine trails, the nine trails are unique in their own right, but we feel like, okay, that's something that people would feel comfortable with. They, we have, you know, like a kind of a pro line all the way down to green. This is something people can ride no matter your skill level. So let's start kind of expanding that range, getting a little more creative in the trails. It's kind of our motto with the next one is kind of let's branch out a little bit. So four peaks, nine trails, a lot of growth. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to get into that because when I first, when I first walked into your shop a couple of weeks ago, the first thing I went to was that map of the yeah. master plan. And maybe that's because that's where my brain goes. Cause that's what I do yeah. professionally. But I was like, wow, this is like a lot bigger than what, than what was actually, what's actually currently here today. For sure. Yeah. So we're a year in and we feel like we're moving fast. And at the same time, we're feeling like we're moving slow. So um, I think just the nature of explaining things to people, we say we're in phases. Um, if you knew us at all, there's no phases. We're just building as we can. Uh, but uh, that's too loose. But we did do a phase two. Um, so when we first opened, we had six trails, I think, six, six, five or six. But when we first opened, it was five or six trails. There were no bathrooms. Basically, our base camp was a food truck, which is still there. And it's very good. It's a, He does a good job. We have a chef. And then we have a bike shop and then like a welcome center. And we didn't have a coffee shop even when we opened. So our phase two, we added camping. So we have glamping, primitive site, which is just a, a like a wooden structure that you can pitch a tent on. And then you can camp in the parking lot. So we added camping. Um, we added a coffee shop, we added uh, bathrooms and showers and lockers, which was like huge. It was so embarrassing and just disappointing for us not having, we had porta potties, like that's not up to the Haller experience. So getting bathrooms was critical. We wanted to knock that out. We expanded base camp a little bit and we added a skills area. We added a little pump track. So we wanted to, in phase two, we added, uh, I think, three more trails. We wanted to really more focus on the base camp side of things because customer experience, guest relations, that's our number one thing. That's our in our handbook, in our like hiring employees. It is about the guest. They're coming there. They're spending their hard-earned money. They're spending their time. They want to you know, take a little escape from reality. They want to ride their bike. They want to have a good time with their buddies, make good memories. We want to enhance that. And to grow that, we, you know, are overjoyed when people come down to the park. You know, they're wanting to do all those things with us. So we are just so excited. We want to, we try and learn everybody's name as quickly as possible. We want you to feel at home. We want you to feel it's a family-owned company. And we're all out there every day. We want you to feel like you're part of the family. It's like 
our employees, we get asked all the time. So are they your cousin or something? It's like, no, they're just, they're just tight. We're all tight. Uh, you know, so we really want to bring that love, uh, to people. And that's, you know, just our personal mission is, is to bring that love and to spread that. But, and then trails are just a icing on a cake for that. So we didn't add as many, all of that saying, we didn't add as many trails in phase two because we wanted to make sure that there's everything you need at base camp. And then we can just go crazy on trails now. Let's back up to the location. How did you settle on the location? And like, what was the process for finding that? Yeah. So um, it was actually a horrible thing that came uh, and a good thing that came out of a horrible thing. So back at that time, my mom had a pretty serious breast cancer uh, diagnosis. Um, they actually, I mean, I'll be brief with it cause it's just uh, pretty traumatic, you know, but they told her she had like two weeks to live. It was, it was terrible, but we got a second opinion and it, she's all good now. It all went smooth and didn't even have to have chemo or radiation, but the second opinion was in Little Rock, Arkansas. So my mom and dad were driving to Little Rock, you know, a couple times a week and, or driving there and back a couple times a week. So my dad kept seeing this land on the side of Highway 65. And he's like, it said for sale. There's nothing there. You know, he's like, I think we should look at it. And I'm like, I don't know. From the, especially back then, from the road, you can't tell what's back there very well. It's pretty secluded. So you're, I was like, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. And he's like, just let's go look at it. Stop doing that. And let's go look at it. So we go look at it. We drive back there and it's just like, what the heck? How is this just untapped? It's, you know, you can't really develop it for anything. It's not, it's too steep to be farmland. It's, and it's too, you know, secluded and too hard to do for any type of, you know, development for houses or anything. So we jumped on the land immediately and we're like, back then we didn't know what it means to have a bike park or to do any of that. So we were, we just got the land and we were like, well, worst case scenario, we have land for family. Very fortunate to have that. But we were like, worst case scenario, we have land for family and have fun. So we scratched in a little like tech trail. It's still there, Mustard Tiger. We actually are starting to rebuild it because it's not that fun. Uh, <laughs> but so we scratched that in and we invited some buddies and they invited some buddies and they invited some buddies. Anyways, this in the middle of summer, the 50 people are out there and lapping one trail and everybody's drinking and partying and having a good time. And my dad and I kind of looked at each other like, Oh, well, this is kind of exciting. This is, this could be something, you know? So from there, it just went crazy, took off. Like seems like a blink. and then we're here. <laughs> yeah. And with that, going back to the expansion, we're going to start at the beginning as far as like, how did you select a build company to come in? And how did you, I noticed on your map, your expansion map that you have McGill as the, that it must've been the company that was hired for the master planning part of it, or at least like the concept part of it. Like, how did you get to that, to that step? And then where did you, how did you move forward with hiring people like our mutual friend, Mike Rogan. Oh yeah. Love Mike. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that is, uh, I'm got to go back a couple of years. Sorry. Um, yeah. So we had jagged ax when we originally started 
and they built Mustard Tiger and they built original Hippie and some things were going on. And um, at that time, Mike actually worked for them. That's I had met Mike a couple of times before that, but uh, Mike and I just became buddies and Mike was working for them. And then some, just things happened as they do in business. And we parted ways. And about the same time, Mike and a buddy of ours, uh, uh, Derek Hunter, started um, Reserve Concepts, which is a trailblazing company out of Missouri, uh, Springfield. So that was really exciting. So they came in, they started building Taco Cat. We had a connection and Seth with Backyard Trail Builds, who does these crazy wood features, he, we were reaching out to him. He got really juiced up. He was excited. So he worked with Reserve on Taco Cat, which is kind of our famous, you know, wood trail where there's shark fins and big jumps and drops and everything like that. So they started on that. We realized quickly that this is going to take a long time if we don't get in some more help um, because that's, you know, two trails, but, you know, two half trails, one full trail, I guess, if you put it all together. So we're like, freaking out a little bit. And so Brandon RC with Dirt Tech uh, came in. Brandon is awesome. He's like true professional. Anybody that knows him knows he's just like gets down to work. He's in, he does his job. He's incredible artist, like really thinks about water first and trail, you know, quality second, but they go in hand to hand. So he did the green trail and he probably still has nightmares about the green trail. It for, I think it was half a mile. It was solid bedrock. So we had the Haller mating call, which is just excavators with hammers, just jackhammering away at this rock. And then he capped it. It turned out beautiful, but I, I'm not kidding you. He probably has nightmares from that. He, it was so tough, such a hard trail to make. So Then we're kind of like, wait a second, that's all his time. We need, um, you know, some more help. And so there was trail builders sending us stuff all the time, you know, wanting to work with us and they were all overqualified and, you know, did, you know, all had exciting, you know, we would have worked with anybody, but this company McGill that I had always been following, um, and was like, just thought they were awesome. They had built the riveter. They, had built, they were currently building at this place in uh, Chattanooga, Walden's Ridge, and it looked insane. So I was like, man, these guys would be awesome. You know, these guys, they built Frisco Bike Park. They, they just seemed awesome. And so we somehow got their phone number from a friend or something. They, they knew Jeff, the owner, and we got a hold of Jeff. And I can remember we were, it was my dad and I on the phone with them and we were like, yeah, we need this, 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 you know, and they were like, yep, we can knock it out. And they were just so chill, so confident. They were so excited about our project. Like it was just really neat how much heart they already had in it. And we had never met these people in person. And, uh, so they came maybe a month after that and it was maybe a month before we opened. And so we're in like complete panic mode and freaking out. And these, you know, I th- uh, five of them just, they hit the ground running, they roll in and everybody's panicking. These dudes are just as calm as could be. And they're hilarious. Um, they're super tight knit group of buds. And they immediately, they're like, we became like best friends, like just 
so awesome down to earth guys that just love life, love the park and love trail building. I mean, they love it and they're passionate. They do a great job. Their way of thinking is different. Their way of executing is different. They're just, they have a such a, I'm giving them too much praise. And I'd have to, you know, I, I need to take them down on that. They're all, they're all mean or something. No, no, they're awesome. They really are just, a, just a great group of guys. So they came out, we immediately became buds with them. Like immediately they're super close to us. So once the park got built, you know, we kind of went back to everybody as far as like, what, what do you, what could you do for some other trails, you know, just kind of shopping around, but McGill just, they were so invested in one, want the park to succeed, just like all the guys. And they were just able to uh, do better. And, you know, and they were wanting to commit in the long run to the park. And that's what we were excited for. So, um, and then we're just friends with them, you know, so it, it really ended up being a really cool thing. Um, we have great relationships with all the guys, McGill's, we just kind of our boys. Um, so they're the future with us. Um, they did the master plan. Um, they, they're excited just as we are. And they, you know, have helped us out a ton. Yeah. And they did, and the master plan looked really good. Like you're at one peak right now, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yep. And I know that nobody has a crystal ball, but is, when is, when would you see like peak two or what does that look like? Because when we talk about different peaks for you from a logistics perspective, does that mean another shuttle road as well? Yeah, that's what we're avoiding. <laughs> and then that's why I brought that up. Cause I think that's good for the listeners to hear because it's all part of the operations end of it. Right. So, um, I learned something new about bike park operations every hour, it feels like. And then you just use that to compound and, and really have trusted advisors like the McGill's is, is super important and having other people that think we also work uh with an excavation company out of branson uh, uh he just changed his name i think it's bear creek excavating i don't know his name's brandon he's awesome uh, and he does a lot of the road building a lot of the infrastructure and then mcgill does the trails and so they work together so it's kind of all the same vein but everybody's looking at things differently you know what is the most efficient way to get people up what is unique? You know, what, what makes people excited to go up the mountain? Something that is, I sound like I'm bashing the military trucks. I'm not, we just don't want to keep adding them. Every military truck requires two drivers, you know, cause you don't want to just run a driver for eight hours a day. So you, they have to swap. So it causes a lot of diesel. It's a lot of road maintenance. Those things are 20,000 pounds. So we have four military trucks, not planning on adding more. We want to add different variations, but the military trucks are awesome for what they are. You have 20 people, you're all sitting together and people become friends immediately. It's super exciting. It's like people, they kind of build this community in the shuttle. They are all checking on each other. They're all stoked. They're all talking about the labs. They are all, and it's, you. we go around and talk with everybody and want to know how they're doing, what's going on, what, what they like about their bike. I mean, the first you rolled up, I didn't know who you were. And I was like, dude, how do you like your bike? You know, it's a, the new slash and it's got a vivid. I'm, I'm really interested, you know, um, that's just how we are. And so uh, it's really exciting to hear that it's like, oh, you're from Minnesota. And then there's another guy from California. Oh, you guys didn't know each other and you just became friends today. That's really, really rewarding for us. And that's exciting. So the trucks are great for that. And just going forward, 
the access that we're on peak four right now, and it kind of goes three, two, one. The access to the other peaks is not great as far as road wise. Um, there's we have a couple roads up there, but they're side by side roads, and that's about all they could be. So we're coming up with different ways. We are able to access a majority, about 400 feet of elevation. It's pretty parallel. You can kind of go across um, of peak three, but we're still missing, I think, 150 more feet of elevation above it. So we are thinking of some other ways to get them. We don't like the idea of hiking the bike. I think we could do that, but you know, people are paying to be there. We want to give them more things for what they're they spent their hard-earned money on you know that's so we i don't feel like hiking a bike is ethical necessarily so but we are able to access peak three that's kind of in the next plan would be to hit peak three from peak four and you can kind of roll around so um but getting to peak two and one yeah it's going to be a minute uh it just logistic wise we're trying to figure it out and we're getting closer we're We've got more things set in stone and are able to kind of, you know, tweak from here and there. But the terrain uh, is totally different on one, two, and three. It's There's no cedar trees. And anybody that knows about the cedar trees in Missouri, if there's a cedar tree, there's rock. Um, so there's no cedar trees. There's these big, healthy oak trees, really wide. So there's much better dirt over there. There's steeper terrain, but they there's, you know, shelves and it's, it's really neat terrain. It's definitely where the majority of our better trails are going to be. It's just the access right now is uh, the logistical hurdle that we're fighting. Well, and with that, so when I was riding the shuttle, one of the people that I was riding with had mentioned that you guys have actually streamlined the setup from how you, how you cycle shuttles up and down. Like initially he said that you were going up kind of in a train where you get everyone to load up. And then now you're able to pull up, basically make some pullouts or passing zones. And how is that? like kind of change the operation just to kind of re-envision that just small part of it. Yeah, for sure. So just our goal is weekly. We do three things to improve the park. Um, whether a guest ever notices or sees it is not really a matter of, you know, concern. It's we do three things to improve the park um, just weekly. That's our thing, you know, and raking a trail doesn't count. <laughs> uh, so um, one of the big issues we were having was our numbers were growing, you know, thank God we're getting more and more people. It's exciting. And we want to keep up with that workload and keep lines down. You know, we don't want people waiting. That's no fun. We want to get you back up to the top. So we bought two more trucks and then we were still having, it was like four trucks were going up in a row and three are waiting at the top for that fourth one to make. It didn't make sense. And we're like, wait a second, we're not that dumb. We can figure this out. So we built three pull-off points. So now a truck arrives to pick you up every five minutes and that's 20 people every five minutes. So that has completely sped up lift lines. Transition did laps on us. They bought 200 day passes uh, for people. Well, 600 people ended up coming out that day, um, which for us is that's awesome, you know? And so we were able, the lift line was long, but it was only about a 40 minute wait or so, but for six, and they were all riding, like people were there to ride test transitions bikes, which was awesome. I think transition said it was their biggest laps on us day they've ever had. It was the most demos they've ever had go out. It was super exciting. 
we were able to keep people moving. Um, nobody was complaining. And that's really what we want is people to be happy, to not be thinking about how Howler does operations. We want you to think about, oh man, I gotta, you know, I gotta hit that T-bog or something, you know, like, um, so it was, it was nice. It was 600 was pushing it, but we've already done things to increase our capacity, um, after that anyway. So we're constantly trying to find things, but yeah, just little tweaks, like, you know, adding a little pull off for a truck can drastically improve a customer's experience, which is exciting. You know, there's just little tweaks you can do to make things better. Oh, for sure. And this is kind of going to go really out of order here, but it just popped in my brain. And so hopefully people can understand that we're just jumping everywhere right now. Yeah. What's like up it. with the trail names? Oh man, dude, we, uh, there's gotta be some good stories there. Before we, we make them. Yeah. We smoke crack and then we were like, what is the first? No, I'm just kidding. That's terrible. Yeah. So, uh, the trail names we have so much fun with, uh, so taco cat is a palindrome. And since it was two trails, we were like, Oh, it's gotta be a tra- uh, palindrome like mom, race car, dad. So it's forward and backwards. And so it's just a cool name too. Honestly, we just thought it was funny and kind of catchy and people would remember it. Uh, we don't like naming. We wanted the trail names to be unique. I think that kind of amplifies the legend of the trail as if they have a, a unique name. And then we kind of took it one step further, but I'll get into that. So we've got, I'm just starting at Stroller Coaster is the green trail, which is, that's just a funny name. Again, uh, Hippie Cowboy. Um, there's a song by, I think, Cody Jinx that's Hippies and Cowboys. And we like that song. So it was like Hippie Cowboy. And then, uh, you know, Taco Cat, like I said. And then Momo is, you know, we're big fans of Sasquatch. And so Momo is Missouri Monster, Sasquatch. but we kind of play off that he's Howler's cousin um, just because we made the little graphic of Momo. Mustard Tiger is from Trailer Park Boys. Swayze Train is from Trailer Park Boys. I'm a Trailer Park Boys fan, but I didn't name those trails. So it's always funny when people will like quote them and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I just liked, you know, like there was one of our other guys named both those and I was like, yeah, I like it. Yeah, those are good. So those are both, uh, trailer park boys references. And then the wizard is from black Sabbath. It's just, uh, the McGill's and I are big black Sabbath fans. And then, uh, dirty dancing. We kept making the joke that it was like Swayze train, Patrick Swayze train. And then we were like, Oh, dirty dancing. So uh, I think that's all the trail names. Oh, and then we have Hollywood, which is just like a little like jump line. And it's cause it's right next to base camp. So, you know, you're showing off, you're on Hollywood. So we get a kick out of it. I have a massive list of trail names that we all want to use. So it's, we have a lot of fun. We take something we thought of and didn't really intend to. We took the trail names and now we make a logo for every trail and put it on shirts and hats and stickers. And that's been huge for us. We sell out of our merchandise every week. It's awesome. And we love that people like our designs and want to show their support. So it's really, we have an in-house graphic designer that does fantastic. And so all the trails have their own personality. The logos of the trails are at the the start of each trail. So it, you know, people will like a trail and then love a trail because they like the logo now too. And they got the shirt. And so it's really funny. It, it's uh, something that we didn't ever think of that would take off and it's 
it it has and it's really it's we get a kick out of it it's just one of the perks of the the whole park you obviously talked to everybody there it's a family run operation i mean literally like you, i was talking to you that i wasn't there for 30 seconds and you're talking to me yeah legitimately <laughs> like that's that's what it might have even been 15 seconds yeah yeah you didn't even have your bike set up and i was already after yeah exactly is there a kind of a fan favorite in terms of like a trail that constantly gets brought up in conversation that somebody likes yeah so everybody does have their own favorite trail um for sure our most common like is hippie cowboy um people love it's mcgill rebuilt it and they did a fantastic job blue trails i'm sure everybody listening to this will know are so hard to make because that's where most people are hitting, you know, that's where, and then you've got the mix of the, the green riders that are taking that next step. You've got the kind of bluish riders that are, you know, maybe they're not good at jumping or drops, but they're learning. They're a confident bike rider. You've got the true blue riders um, that really excel at blues. And then you've got, you know, the riders that are more advanced that, the blue trails maybe still a warm up or a little easy, but they can kind of relax on. So hitting all those is very tough. <laughs> and so Hippie Cowboy does a pretty darn good job. It's really action packed. You're hitting one jump after another. You're hitting a little tech. You're going into some drops. It's really um, people love that. It seems like there's a lot of progression. People progress a lot on that trail, and that's exciting for us. We want people to get better and enjoy you know, advancing in their career. So hippie cowboys, very popular. If it's, if we're talking about like merchandise sales, everybody loves the taco cat logo. It is our most sold shirt and it is just, it's got a unique little logo. That's the merch sale logo, but wizard is another popular one. It's definitely the hardest trail in the Midwest uh, as far as just consequences and difficulties. We were really worried. We thought we got in over our head and nobody was going to end up riding the trail. That's totally not the case. Thankfully, a lot of people ride it, a lot of session it and progress. It's been really cool to see those riders be able to take that next step and have a way to get better without having to travel, you know, hundreds of miles. They're able to push their limits. Um, Kyle Strait was out there when we were like in halfway through with it. And he was like, this is, this is good. This is proper. So that made us feel good and bad at the same time. You know, we were like, Oh, if he thinks it's good and proper, that's most people aren't going to be able to ride this, but it ended up being something that people are able to take that next step. And a lot of the features are intimidating, but they flow so well. It's, it's really neat. And so it's cool to see people, come down from the wizard and run in and be like, I did the wizard and everybody gets going crazy, you know? So it's a, that's fun. Um, but some people are crazy about the tech trails. I think Momo is probably, if, uh, if somebody leans more towards the tech trails or Momo is their favorite, they lean uh, towards jumps. It's hippie. Yeah. And I, when I was there, I'll, I'll say my favorite trail that trip or that day was uh, Swayze train. Yeah. So usually the more advanced jumpers like Swayze train they're they're not super long jumps but they're lippier so you can get height um and and that's i personally i think Swayze train's probably my favorite it's just flowy you don't no pedals which is what we want 
like you like if you really don't want to take a pedal on Swayze, it's all flow. So it's just chill, you know, and it's nice. I think it's a great trail to like end your day with riding. It's just that was the trail McGill built originally and it was on the worst section of mountain. Like it was just super rocky. There's streams coming out of everywhere and they're like, yeah, no problem. So they just knocked it out and it, it drains super well. It's the berms are like, they make you feel like you're in a warm blanket. They just hold you like a baby. It's awesome. That's a fun trail. And now you can see the wizard off of it the whole time. So it's really cool. People will kind of pull off on, on Swayze and watch people rip the wizard and like, Oh, maybe I can do that next year or something. <laughs> Actually, so, didn't, yeah. I didn't know that. I was, I guess I was too focused on just doing laps on Swayze train to know that there is even a trail next to it. Yeah. You're nuking down. Yeah. If, if you're, uh, if you're looking over to your right, uh, wizard rips the whole thing. There's, you know, like seven turns to wizards one. So the wizard riders are nuking by you, uh, as you're kind of traversing the mountain. So it is pretty funny to see them go at the same time because it's never fast. You know, it's never even, I guess yeah. it's not a race. <laughs> well, with all of the, all of that, you know, obviously you've had a, you know, this has been open. You've been over open for just over a year. You're probably feel like you're getting force fed uh, through a fire hose in terms of knowledge. Oh yeah. What is something like, I bring this up with, with, with certain guests that I know probably have a pretty good answer for this. But what is something like, I'm going to, I coined it a famous failure and I don't mean famous in terms of like it made any type of media or news, but it's just something that's famous in your head that sticks out. Like what's something that sticks out to you that you really learned from that you would, you know, like to impart on somebody else, you know, that, that kind of knowledge. Yeah. I, I think I have uh, a book of how many it's, uh, and I'll like, I, you hear people say, you know, like you have to make mistakes to grow and stuff. It's like, at least for our scenario, it was like, I, at one point I felt like it was just mistake after mistake, after mistake, after mistake. And so it, you know, we're Christians. We, we just trust God and that's how we kind of kept going. But if, you know, with every mistake, I will say there's always, you're going to grow something. You're going to learn from it. You're going to, something good's going to come of it. There's never, it doesn't seem, it may compound a little bit, but it'll always figure itself out. But I think some of the mistakes we made was kind of early on, we were like, well, let's just build a couple trails. And then we're like, oh, no, well, let's put a base camp in. We just kind of kept adding and didn't have like more of a set plan. That was because then we had to kind of go back and rebuild some stuff and kind of redo a lot of things. And we also kind of just expected it not to be very busy. And then we ended up having to, you know, improve the shuttle road later and everything. So it's the hardest thing really for us was predicting. There wasn't, there's not anything else like us near us. It's, you don't know how the public, you know, that they're going to respond to it. You don't know where you're going to find your niche. It's all scary. But yeah, I think there's a fine line. I'm hesitating a little bit because if you have too much of a plan, I feel like, you're overly stressed. It's never going to go how you think it's going to go. It's like we had the most, it was record rainfall in Missouri when we're trying to build, like it's never going to go how you think it's going to go. It's just not, it seemed like the weather was actively working against us. But yeah, I think 
you know, there's a fine line of knowing what you really want out of your project, having a future goal, um, but then just kind of biting it off and as, you know, pieces go. But I'm trying to think of like any major like blunders. I mean, I've, I've hit excavators on trees. We've crushed excavators. There's been big blunders like that. And those just happen, you know, but I think it's the, I will say this, actually, I'm sorry, this might come out pretty corny and I don't intend it that way, but I think you get so wrapped up in the project that you have this, you know, our, our opening day, May 20th, 2022. That's it. We set it every morning. We had meetings. It's every time we talk, it's like, that's when we're opening. Uh, I think there's something to be said, and this is something, you know, it's going to sound important, is really cherishing that that moment of building it um, because there is so much wonder and so much, the nerves are building up. You don't know what the park's going to be. There's so much stress, but it's like, it's pretty exciting to be there from a start to finish of a bike park build. Like it's unique and you get to see the mountain taking shape and you get to see, uh, you know, thoughts and ideas come to life. It's that for me was unique. And, and I tried to, you know, live in that moment and take a lot of pictures and remember a lot of stuff, but you know, I don't think you can ever do enough is really just documenting that growth of the project and, but yeah, I mean, there's tons of stuff. Getting started is always something that's scary, you know, like just doing it is always, it's, uh, it's, uh, it takes time and energy and investment and people think I'm 30 something and I'm 24. And so it's like, yeah, it, you, you're going to sacrifice some stuff for sure. Yeah. You, that's a good point. You are pretty young. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I like you know, my age. Yeah. It's, uh, close. I try, you know, to and I'm a goober like through and through I'm a goofball, but I try and be, you know, I'm very fortunate and blessed and, and I have many, many great resources and people around me. And, you know, I try to be respectful and wise and, and listen to people that are much more, you know, versed or, uh, you know, knowledgeable in topics and, let people, you know, my dad's my number one mentor. He's like, you know, pretty easy to follow his example. He's in, incredibly smart and knows what he's talking about. So, you know, you let the guys that are specialized in whatever they're passionate about do it. You know, I'm not, you know, you don't stand by a trail builder and, you know, sit over his shoulder. Like they know, they know what they're doing and let them use their craft and, and figure it out and, you know, provide help where they need it, but they, they've got it handled. So it's nice to, you know, be able to lean on people. I'd like to point out that your dad's also a shuttle driver. And so it's really awesome to see that like no task is beneath anybody. No, no. And that's, I don't know if that's necessarily our motto or if it's a necessity, but yeah, my, my dad shuttle drives. I shuttle drive. My mom is in the welcome center making coffees and checking people in and answering phone calls and helping you get set up in your campsite. We have 15 employees, but like, it's funny when somebody's like applying, they're like, well, what would my job description be? And it's like, you don't have a job description. It's you do everything. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, You know, but it's, yeah, you're like, our trail maintenance crew is also the people that work on the bike fleet that also drive that also, you know, water the flowers and change the beds. It's everybody does everything. There's no, well, that's my lane. That's his lane. It's like, no, it's, 
everybody's lane is everything. And so it's, um, it's fun. You know, my dad's almost 60. We're trying to get him not to drive the truck because it's a little hard on his, his back and his legs and stuff. But yeah, it's funny. You know, he loves, he does love driving the trucks. It's a great way for him to connect with guests. I'm more, my mom gets to check in. So she gets that connection there. My dad's either on the truck or helping, you know, navigate trucks. So he's right there and I'll just come find you. Uh, I'll figure out and make sure everybody's having a good time, make sure everybody knows where everything is, make sure I'm hearing feedback, you know, so I'll just go find you. I mostly start off with the icebreaker, which is talk to me about your bike. Cause even, you know, the most introverted person would, will open up when they are get to talk about their bike. So yeah, we try to just, you know, soften people up a little bit. Some people come in a little hot and are, you know, I think uh, there's something to be said about customer service and the world right now. We, you know, we, we want to be your friend. We want to make sure you feel loved. So people usually come in a little hot, which is sad because I think they're used to maybe being treated poorly at another place or not necessarily a bike bar, just anywhere. So, you know, we're like, oh, no, we're man. You're like, we'll make sure you're you're taken care of. Like, well, we're here to, you know, serve you at this time. It's you're riding. We're not. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. We, you know, it's, I think people, I never thought this, but people really enjoy getting to see a family owned business and, uh, see the owners out there every day working and talk to them. It's, I, I, you know, I don't necessarily get to experience that in my life. I'm not going to, you know, Bass Pro and seeing Johnny Morris, but that would be cool. I guess now that I say it, that would be really cool. So, um, I think people like that and they get to talk to us directly and we want to hear from them too. You know, it's like, we hear all the time trail name ideas. It's like all the time, somebody's got a trail name, you know, and, and a logo idea with it. So it's really fun to connect with guests and yeah, we're all out there. That's awesome. That, that I mean, I felt that immediately when I came in and I gotta, I gotta highlight this one more time before we close this out. You guys have showers, like you have showers, like that's like, I don't know if I've been to another bike park with showers and I think it's, so important, especially when you're traveling. It was funny. That's funny that you bring it up because when we built it, it wasn't, we thought it would be a cool, you know, commodity for people to have, but the amount of people that are like, thank you, thank you, thank you for showers. It's, it's, uh, it's nice. You know, we're so excited to be able to bring something that, but never, ever would have thought it's that, uh, you know, critical, I guess. Yeah. I'm, you know, maybe I'm just grungy or something. I'll go drive back in a dirty, suit or whatever, you know, a dirty kit. And, but no, it is, it's really nice, especially being open year round. Like if you've been riding the cold, wet, rainy day, like you can go shower off. And uh, I think that's, we now sell towels too, that people, they're towelers. People are super excited about that. It's, it's, I think those little things, like we, that's what we pride ourselves in, like making sure like guests are accommodated. Like when you come there, you're not you can shower if that, if you need to, you can have your stuff locked in a locker for free. You know, we're not trying to make a quick buck off you. Like you can, you know, shower, they're free and use the restroom in a nice facility and uh, almost too nice, I think. Uh, uh, But yeah, no, that is, uh, that was cool for us. We enjoyed how much people enjoy that. It's nice when people um, feel like they're taken care of. Yeah. With that, do you have anything that we didn't talk about that you'd like to bring up? I mean, I could talk about anything. I, yeah, I, I think that's, you know, everything. I, it's a, 
we're just so fortunate and happy to be able to provide this for our area and for the country. It's, it's really truly an honor to be able to bring it to people. And we just uh, enjoy every minute of it. It's truly a blessing. Well, Max, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day. So of we course, can talk about you. Howler and we can share what Howler is all about. It's a, it's a bike park that I'm glad I stopped at on my way home from my last trip to Bentonville. I know I'll be stopping back again. So good. Can't wait to see you again. I really appreciate it. And I know this is something that, you know, I think I've always had the dream of, of having like a bike park that type thing. I've, and so I love sharing stories of, especially the operation, you know, what, what really goes into the operation side of things like you, I, I grew up, you know, skiing and snowboarding, and I still technically work for a ski and snowboard resort as I mean, I was just there yesterday. I'll be back there again today. Um, yeah. after work and it's only about, you know, a few miles from my house and it's something that I impart on my kids. And one of the, before we leave, I do want to say one thing. It was brought up in an episode earlier this summer. And that is how people used to look at how cool it'd be to grow up in a ski town. Yeah. And now we're getting into the era of how cool it is to grow up in a bike town. It's so cool. And it's something I'm excited. Like we are starting to get a lot more kids and, you know, under 12 and I'm excited for when I have children to be able to go out there and, and they get to shred. And it's, you know, that's what I, when we first started talking, I was talking about that mountain town and that mountain village and you have that feel. It's like, it's different everywhere you go. Obviously like Missouri's not going to have the same mountain town feel as uh, a Colorado, but it's cool to have that and it not be such uh, you know, like a, a hard thing to accommodate or a hard thing to get to experience. You can go with bike parks popping up all over the country. You can go anywhere and experience that, you know, bike town feel. And that's it, something truly special and growing. It's neat. Yeah. Well, Max, again, I yeah. thank you for your time. Of course. Thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Effect Podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. If you listen to the Trail Effect Podcast on Apple or Spotify, please don't forget to leave a rating and review, as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Effect Podcast. Also, don't forget to check out Cooley Creative at www.dojustsendit.com. For additional ways to help support the Trail Effect Podcast, check out the affiliate links tab at the Trail Effect website where you'll find links to Kettle Mountain Apparel, Worldwide Cyclery, and Trail One Components. By using the affiliate links found at www.traileffectpodcast.com, a small commission will come back to the podcast, which will help keep this thing going. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>